Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello and welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode eight. Wahoo, number eight. <laughs> Getting right into it. We have in the studio here, myself, Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And I finally got a mic this week. Yes, you, you're, 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 you're back right. on air again. Yep, Skip Parker back on air. Great to have you here again, man. Um, I mean, you're always here, but you're just not always on the mic. So um, great to have you in the mix. For episode eight, we have a whole bunch of stuff. First up, we'll mention that we're doing a uh, a bit of a trial with mm. this episode, and we are streaming it live, and we have a live chat going on at the same time. Um, <laughs> where, where has that been hosted at the moment? That's looked after by our good friends over at Geekzone. Thank you, guys. .co.nz. So um, that, that's where to look up if you're interested in participating in that in future. Um, we're certainly hoping it, it works out well enough that uh, we can keep this going as a, as a regular thing. Yeah, we'll edit it together and hopefully have all the music and intros and everything sort of added in a little bit later on. And all the, all the bad words out and yeah. the ums and ahs. And Where Mr. Paul Spain goes, hmm, for the evening, we'll just edit that one out. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so the uh, the agenda this evening, we're going to chat through a few um, technical outages that have been happening around the place. Understand uh, Amazon EC2's been hit. Vodafone in Australia had some dramas. Sony's PlayStation Network. It's a week of outages, isn't and, it? And um, apparently uh, this afternoon um, the FX Network in New Zealand got hit and uh, it's taken out uh, voice and data for oh, a bunch of uh, police stations. So we'll chat about that a little bit later. Yep. There was a bit of an issue for a supermarket in Hamilton um, <laughs> on on Friday and um, so, so a few free groceries there, so we'll talk about that one. Damn those computers opening those doors again. Um, we will chat to our Australian correspondent and we'll hear a little bit about Apple and all their uh, all their updates. A few other bits and pieces there from Apple, some Microsoft-y news and a discussion about uh, Xbox, Netflix and if we get time we'll uh, we'll drop in a discussion there about some um, some funky stuff from Qantas. Hmm. All right. That's Busy it. one. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So first up, outages that have hit in the last few days, guys. Man. It's insane. It's like everything's falling over left, right and centre, right? Oh, yeah. So let, let's start off, with, well, I think, with one of the bigger ones of the week, which has been the Sony PS3 outage. That's still going on right at the moment. Yeah, the PlayStation Network outage. And, yeah, it's a strange one. Now, it, when it first started, everyone pointed the finger at Anonymous, of course, yep. because they've been targeting Sony's stores for um, uh, what was the GeoHot um, settlement, shall we say? Oh yes. Yeah. So they were, but yeah, this is not right to settle out. This is this stuff should be free and open, and Sony should be able to do. We should be able to do stuff within the Sony network and whatever. Right. But they haven't. They've said that this isn't this isn't them. But no, I they, mean, this could is, be anybody, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is as official as Anonymous is going to get. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who are they? They have been coming out saying, "Look, it's not us. It's not us causing this problem. It is something else. It's somebody else, Anonymous." And, and yeah, that's right. <laughs> now they they Anonymous did. Too. They did actually go back and say, look, it could have been some factions of Anonymous, but generally it's not a um, it's not a mandate from the group to do something. And Sony certainly haven't come out and sort of pointed a lot of fingers at anyone yet. Um, so, they, so what exactly has happened? So the PlayStation Network's down. It's just off. You can't get to it, which is a real bad thing because there's a number of Sony PlayStation Network games launched this week that require the play, uh, PlayStation Network. 
Do you know which ones they are? Which games? Uh, I think SOCOM is out. Uh, Portal 2 uh, is out. Now, it could be tied in with, I think, the fact that um, the PlayStation Network and the Steam Network are joining. They're sort of trying to do some integration there. So there was a lot of question about whether that actually broke the the whole thing. But but what I read today was that they're actually rebuilding the entire network, which is kind of interesting that if you'd been violated um that you would actually try and f- work out where you've been hurt and what's been done but is it something bigger than that is it actually credit cards that have been taken as well or, or uh, there's, is that the- there's something that's got to come out of this because yeah they're, they're talking about rebuilding the network there is talk about them not being entirely sure about where the credit card information has been um leached off the network uh, it's it's a dire situation, and the fact that it's been down for so long, phew, man, it's it's a bad situation for Sony. It, it's not the biggest one. We were talking just as we were prepping this evening that Xbox had one 2007? End said? of 2007, beginning of 2008, there was an outage that ran. It wasn't a complete outage like this of the whole network. I think it was around the billing systems, and it went went on for close to two weeks, I think. Yeah. But it yeah it, it didn't it wasn't as dramatic as this. I mean, this is wiped out you know so much of their network like the, the whole playstation network effectively and some of their other uh, music and media type stuff as well as has been knocked out this, because it's all part of the same does thing. this affect tvnz because they obviously do some streaming over ps3 devices as well i don't know with the content thing so it's a good question i I've, i'd I've, imagine yeah. pro- it might do because you probably need to be on the psn network to actually get to that functionality yeah. So yeah, it's if, probably if, delivering those drop downs, menus, or as Xbox calls them, blades, or whatever they call them, from the PlayStation Network. So there, there could be a quite a bit of functionality lost on your PlayStation. Yeah. Though. If someone on the chat wants to give us some feedback on that, if somebody's uh, tried that and knows whether that's having an impact, I did hear that it was impacting people using Netflix, but that there was a workaround for it. You had okay. to do some little tricks and you could get by. Uh, so I guess that's similar to Netflix on the Xbox, which checks certain things and makes sure you're logged in before it gives you access to Netflix. But certainly don't know what the situation there is locally in New Zealand with with TVNZ. Stuff. Yeah, if any other people online can actually tell us if they've been affected and and sort of what the experiences are, we'll sort of Twitter that or talk about later. All right. So other outages: Amazon's um, EC2 cloud service got hit not in the same way not with an attack as far as we're aware they just had some issues of their own right with things falling over yeah their, their infrastructure as a service or the or the vms the virtual machines that they spin up um that host um a lot of the facebook um applications actually so the game so my poor wife's farmville was down and <laughs> there's a whole lot of other services that, but that wiped them out. Yeah, I I know, she was panicking but look over, <laughs> overall look i mean for amazon for ec2 network they kept their uptime as much as they could but apparently they had some major outages in their data centers. It's still a bit sketchy, but um, yeah, reading online at the moment, it was sort of a, a, a lot of the big big players were hurt across America. Um, Facebook definitely was taken, having sort of some major issues. Farmville. Um, yeah, Farmville. <laughs> but that's why Facebook's building their own data center. Yeah. They're, they're going to be building their own space and not relying on people like Amazon, so... Yeah, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really solve the issue that you're building massive, massive, massive networks and relying on this technology, and it just takes one little thing to make the whole lot fall. It's a bit risky at times. It's amazing how reliant we've now come on, you know, the whole push to cloud. Yeah. yeah when it goes down, we all know about it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, if you look at PS3 and the EC2, they're both cloud-based services, right? Yep. So another little outage has been Vodafone's network in Australia. They fell out on Sunday afternoon for what, six or seven hours with uh, you know, te- text messages, basically, that, that part of their network was um, was broken. Vodafone Australia have had the worst run in the last year. They've had voice, video, 
billing issues, SMS, complete loss of service. Looking on the forums over there, or Vodafone failed forums as they call them now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're just getting absolutely hammered over there. And I mean, they're just having, the problem they've got now is they're not handling the communication out there very well to the, to the consumers and to the people that are working there. So yeah, it, the media guy came out and just sort of just sort of blabbed his way through it, but really didn't give a good clear answer of what went wrong, what they're going to do to rectify it. I mean, all they're doing is saying they're going to push to the new 4G network, which is apparently going to fix everything. Well, they're, yeah, they're trying to improve their 3G network with a whole lot of new infrastructure yeah. and and start uh, working on the 4G network. But, yeah, meanwhile, I'm I'm sure they're, um, yeah, they're going to be upsetting more than a few people and eventually some of those customers have got to leave, right? Yeah. it's they're, they're voicing pretty hard over there now. I mean, it's made the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald. I, I think over there, with especially with the Vodafone, if it had been one little small issue, they would have got away with it, but... I was over there at Christmas time when they had a major outage, and then two weeks later they had all those floods, and Vodafone failed again over there. So, mm. such a dramatic difference to what we have here in yeah. New Zealand, though, right? I mean, we, we've, um, you know, the Vodafone network has generally been really robust. Uh, you know, every network certainly has issues from time to time, but it was was really the XT network that got a lot of coverage here for a while after they launched, and they mm. had all their issues. But now those things seem to be well behind them. All of the networks seem to be uh, seem to be running reasonably well. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think there was an issue with Vodafone at one stage after Telecom in New Zealand. But the one thing that all telcos are doing now, especially in light of Christchurch, is communication. I don't know if you saw there was that, that other big shake in Christchurch, and within five minutes, Telstra Clear were tweeting. We know that there's uh, cabinets down at certain parts of the city, and then Telecom and Vodafone and Two Degrees all started chipping into that. Mm. And it's kind of like, man, this communication flow is fantastic. As a customer, I'm not upset. I, I get to know what's going on, so it's great. Obviously, there's some um, some differing opinions there about the robustness of the uh, networks, and we're, we're getting some of that feedback from uh, uh, from the chat, uh, particularly in regards to um, to Vodafone in, the, in this case. Um, but um, I mean, certainly, I haven't personally had a lot of issues with Vodafone. I've been on Vodafone for quite a while. Um, how much longer we'll be on Vodafone? I I don't know because obviously the market is changing. Mm, two degrees. Um, Skip, you're on XT, right? I'm on XT. And why are you on XT? Uh, we actually went for XT because of the speed, purely because of the speed. We need broadband for a lot of stuff we're doing, and you can get it in a lot of places. The Vodafone Vodafone offering is good in a lot of places, but for me, not in every place. So yeah, telecom. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of telecom. They yep. just need to get some handsets. That's all. Yep. I mean, there was a period there for a while. I remember a lot of people complaining about um, some issues with Vodafone calls going to voicemail and things like that. And I know some of our staff had some issues, and they did seem to they did seem to deal with that stuff. So. I mean, yeah, hey, I guess everyone has a slightly different experience. We're going to get told off for bagging Vodafone New Zealand and Australia now. So we don't uh, we don't well, as I say, my experience with them has been pretty good, but hey. Let's go to your favourite one of the week, because Paul sent me, forwarded me a, of his Windows phone of the weekend about the groceries. This had made the UK publications, <laughs> hadn't it? Uh, yeah, apparently it uh, hit the media in, um, in the UK that um, Pack and Save in Hamilton, one of the Pack and Saves down there, had, I don't know what they were referring to it as, a computer glitch. Basically, they, hadn't, they have a pre-programmed system that opens the doors to the store at 8 o'clock each morning and turns the lights on and does those things automatically, and... <laughs> Uh, they hadn't really accounted for um, for Good Friday particularly well. <laughs> this is like the Y2K bug for Easter Friday. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
So, um, yeah, I, I, I heard the... about it too late to duck down and get my free groceries. <laughs> but uh, apparently there were quite a bunch of other people that found out before somebody alerted the police and uh, were in, a, in and out with, uh, with trolleys full of shopping. All I have to say is video cameras. Exactly. What were they they thinking? Videos. And they showed the video on the news. They actually showed security footage of uh, guys in the store. And there were people using the self-serve checkouts. Good on them. So there were some honest people going, yeah, you know, this is not quite kosher, but I'm going to pay for these bananas anyway. Yeah. But uh, there were some guys... There's some guys just hotelling it out with a full trolley. (laughs) (laughs) So what I heard that the stores come out and said is that, um, hey, you know, come and pay for your groceries and they'll actually donate... The um, you know they won't even use the money themselves, but they'll donate it to the, uh, <laughs> the earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Course. So I, th- I thought that was that was very cool. All right, next on the agenda, Apple and their updates. Now, I guess all of us here are, are Apple users as well as Windows yep. users in, in various forms. And something that has come up in discussion a number of times recently has been the size and frequency of of some of Apple's updates. So Microsoft used to get bashed, and still does, for all its updates. Patch Tuesday is a nightmare, 64 updates, vulnerabilities (laughs) left, right, and center, and and fair enough too, you know, that's just... But the updates are small. Some of them are tiny except for that, uh, except for major service packs. Um, Look, over the weekend, turned on on my Mac again, 302 uh, meg of updates. The week before that was 290. Week before that, 186. These are some huge updates going on out there. And it's not like, are they completely rewriting iTunes and then sending it out <laughs> rather than just doing the update? Or well, they, that, you know? what they seem to do, and, I, and I, I've noticed this as well, and uh, our guys have just been involved in a, um, uh, a Mac, Mac rollout in the last few days. And you, you install you know, latest OS off the media onto a machine, or you get a new machine out of the box... And you've got at least a gig worth of updates on a on a brand new machine. That's like old Vista or XP days where you sit there for three hours installing all the updates. <laughs> but those updates back in those days, were, I mean, no no other operating system no. that I've come across gets anywhere near to a gig worth of updates. Uh, even now with your service packs on, you know, Windows, if you've got a reasonably up to date system, then the then the download I think for the latest service pack on. Windows 7 you only end up with about 70 80 megs worth of worth of download required you don't need to pull down the whole service pack look if microsoft's got one thing right and they've they've had to is get their update process slick over the last few years i think with apple getting more and more popular um and their as that popularity gets out there they're getting more people finding security vulnerabilities in, in the operating system and all the applications they're going to have to get their patching a lot slicker than what it is at the moment because well, you, you can't do what you're doing now. It's you, just you would us. think they would anyway, even you know, even with how many million or tens of millions of customers they've got on their OS downloading those updates, if you multiply that out and realise that they could cut in half or a quarter or a tenth the amount of traffic you know that has to flow in and out of their network for those updates, you would you would tend to think that um, that alone would pay for them to uh, to fix that up. So interesting. At the end of the day, is it going to fix the daylight savings issue? Oh, yeah, you, you still get your, your daylight savings problems, don't you? Yep. <clears throat> so I mean, and this is it. We've had many, 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 many patches since the initial finding of that bug, and it's still not fixed. 
Yeah, it's just driving me. Oh nuts. well, you, you can't get you can't get everything right. One of the things that's come through from the the, the chat that's a fair fair point in terms of the updates is that you'd never know when those Apple updates are coming. It's quite nice where Microsoft have that sort of schedule that you know, particularly if you've got a lot of machines that you need to look after and main, maintain, you know, in a business environment, mm. you know when those updates are, are going, so you can make sure you test them properly, and then you can work out getting them installed across however many machines that you have to service um with the apple side of things it's you know it can be pretty random so you can't really plan in advance for that sort of you know maintenance now there's a guess there's two sides to that coin it's great that they may be addressing things really quickly although i'm not sure that that's actually the case it's more just that they're they're releasing them in in you know more random type times i wonder whether they're going to start allowing ipads to get over the air updates rather than having to tether it with your itunes client does anyone anyone heard anything no, nothing on that one. Online, if you've heard anything, give us a yell. Just let us know. Mm. I think the other thing is when you get an update, you always have to update your apps. I mean, I've had to update 25 apps on my phone in the last day just because there's been all these other updates come through. So it's not just the OS updates. It's all the other associated app updates to try and keep them from breaking from the new OS updates. So it's just a cycle. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely something Apple could improve, so um, let, let's hope that that's something that they're, they're starting to hear. Well, we, we're hopefully going to be talking about Lion in the next couple of weeks. We're just trying to get out. We've got our hands on a, a, a developer's copy. Is that correct, Paul? Yeah, yeah. So we're definitely keen to do a bit um, a bit more of an in-depth chat about OSX yep. Lion. It is looking like a really cool update yep. um, for Macs, and, yeah, I think it's, it's worthy of us setting aside a bit of time in our agenda yeah, we will. to to chat about it properly uh also on the apple front there's been uh, some bits and pieces bandied around that um apple are um are launching a, a cloud-based music service there, there's nothing i don't think official from apple yet but uh there's certainly been a lot of a lot of chit chat in the uh some of the media and sort of rumor type sites that they've signed some deals with a number of record labels so it looks like all of the players really in the in that you know music online music space are moving to a, a cloud type um, music storage offering. I have another rumor for you. Have you heard about YouTube's rumor today? So apparently, YouTube have signed up all the rental companies in the US to start doing YouTube rentals. Oh, really? So as we're coming to air tonight, um, I was just reading a quick article before I walked in the studio that. Yeah, YouTube are going to be announcing in the next sort of 48 to 72 hours that they're going to be having rentals on YouTube and that they've been delaying while they've just been getting all the, the movie studios and the rental studios all sorted out what they need to do. So this is the, the streaming of movies By and YouTube. TV programs and yep. so on. So, and just to go off the agenda for it like I normally do, um, <laughs> Hulu in Australia. Have oh, you guys really? read about this? Oh, wow. Okay, I thought you were. So, um, as people sort of know, I'm a big media sort of, I like my media centers, the Xbox media centers, Apple TVs. I love those devices. And um, one of the great things that I've been able to do is get Netflix working on and Hulu and those devices by doing the VPN trick we talked about in episode two, I think it was. I think so, yeah. So, but Hulu have announced that they're coming to Australia, which hopefully for this side of the dish will help us out. We might be able to piggyback off that, but getting Hulu down this part of the world would be fantastic. Well, we are a state of Australia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pitch that for all the Hulu execs listening at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those who saw my tweet over the weekend, I got a uh, a package in from Australia that was labelled for um, 
Australian delivery only and the state was <laughs> listed as Auckland and it got to me no problems, no extra postage. So um, obviously Australia Post thinks that uh, we're part of Australia too. As long as it gets to you. Man, if YouTube get that uh, get that deal all done and start delivering, I mean, you can watch HD YouTube clips in New Zealand here. It's some phenomenal. It just looks great. I'm just so impressed with YouTube. Um, and I've managed, when it, when it, it, up when it doesn't break up and or have its pauses and things like that. Buffering. I, you know what? I haven't had too many issues like that with uh, some of the while, HD while clips. While you're running on your fibre connection. Yeah, that, that's good, Skip. <laughs> that's really good. No, this is even at home on my, uh, on my Orcon connection. It runs really well. And I think part of the issue is that not that uh, YouTube are slow in places. They are trying to build centres where the audiences are. So, you know, content that's actually cached down here in New Zealand can come across really, really quickly. Because everyone knows domestic traffic in New Zealand is really good. Yeah. So people online sort of um, having question marks about Hulu in Australia. Um, Sydney Morning Herald, smh.com.au, um, the register.co.uk have got articles all on at the moment. And I think Engadget featured it over the weekend if you want to have a bit of research on there. Yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. It's a whole bunch of excited people in the chat room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, w- yeah, I've been using the, um, the new client for netflix on my xbox over the weekend what do you think and it is actually really really cool <laughs> i knew you'd love it like having the, the the connect capabilities tied in to watching netflix is great the, i actually found the voice recognition is much more useful than the gesture recognition yep. do you, do you want to explain to people online and to listening what you, what you actually get and what you can do and stuff so what I've got is I've got a router set up in, in my home that gives me a US IP address so I'm using strong VPN so that then allows my Xbox to go online and operate as though it was a US based uh, Xbox and I get access to all of the US services that includes Netflix it includes um, the Zune movie and TV program rentals and purchases so the yeah the capabilities there are great so we went in and watched a movie uh, that was just out here a, a month or, or or so ago we watched that over the Zoom service and we just used Microsoft points for that rental that that was great and then we wanted to look at content that was a little bit older and for that, we went into Netflix, and we're just able to basically go in and stream it. One of the programs I enjoy is a sort of a crime program called Numbers, and there are 118 episodes there. So you can just start at the beginning and work your way through whatever you want to do. But, um, you know, at some points, you know, my wife or I, one of us would duck out of the room, and she'd be like, can you pause that? And... Um, what I was able to do was just use the voice recognition that's built into Connect. So I just said, Xbox, pause, and it pauses the stream. I don't have to look around, where did I lose that remote? Is it, you know, fallen down somewhere? Uh, so a very handy capability. And you can also use the gesture recognition uh, capabilities that, that Connect, deliver, Connect delivers as well. But I think the voice is, is just so much easier in this case. So to drop Paul, um, question from the chat line, Strong VPN. Do you want to sort of talk through what you've been doing there while I answer one of the questions online? Okay, well, well Strong VPN, they're, they're, a, um, they're a VPN provider. And what it allows you to do is you connect to them. They've got a whole lot of points of presence in various countries, US, UK, 
but the US one was what I was interested in and what that allows me to then have is a US internet address IP address so then if I connect to any of these video services and other services as far as they're concerned I am US based so I then have access to all those US type services so you can look up them online at um, strongvpn.com so yeah there's things like Hulu and, and, and so on that you can uh, you can get at with those connections we will be putting up some blog entries about how to do this stuff how it ties yeah, together I'll, I'll write it up with and, you in the um, yeah we're, we're going we're gonna to work on that one of the challenging things is just you know, getting the right router and the right version and, and so on and that can be a bit tricky but um, the gear is definitely out there to be had and it's reasonably once you've got the right bits and pieces it's reasonably quick and easy to put together yeah and, and it is more than just the US as well you can go all around the world so people that want to use uh, BBC iPlayer to better watch UK television um, this will enable you to do that. Although it sounds like that's going to open up on a subscription basis internationally yep. soon anyway, which yep. is, is very cool. All right, moving on with our agenda, uh, Microsoft have started disclosing some security issues in competitors' products, which is, is interesting. That's a, a new thing, and I guess a lot of other uh, vendors have done that. In fact, I know one of the one of the Google guys unofficially with his Google hat off uh, disclosed <laughs> a Microsoft security issue some months ago. Uh, but it hadn't gone through the usual channel, so they hadn't had a chance to address it in that case. Uh, but it sounds like Microsoft are, are disclosing these things, you know, behind the scenes with the vendor and allowing them to then fix those issues, which I think is, uh, you know, it's good good citizenship within the, the technology world. I, I think the biggest one that comes to mind for me was the AOL bug on Windows Phone 7, which was chewing up all the data. Um, did you guys hear about this one? Uh, that was a Yahoo, Yahoo, one, Yahoo sorry. one. Sorry, yeah. AOL. Yeah. 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 So, so they, they sort of... Yeah, they, behind the scenes quite a bit. Yeah, they did. And and I guess they got sort of slammed for that one. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I think uh, certainly around some of the Windows Phone 7 stuff, the um, the PR guys that are involved with that will have learnt a few lessons just on on how important it is in the you know current age of tweets and, and instant information to keep people really up to date. Otherwise, uh, the community definitely get gets upset uh, reasonably um, reasonably quickly. So uh, yeah. Next up, Office three six five. Skip, you've um, you've had a good play around with that over the weekend. Obviously, the betas sort of started opening up in the last. Uh, Last week or two, uh, we had this sort of official New Zealand opening where you could sign sign up online for it about a week ago. You jumped online and, and re-signed up. Yeah, I've, I've probably signed up. There's probably about a million requests in there because I've just been going to sign up, sign up, sign up. I want, under, I want, they want under all sorts of different email addresses. <laughs> and you're right. going to end up with a hundred different accounts, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll have this massive cloud service at my my um, beckoned command. Skip's data center. That's right. All hosted at his house. Yeah, so we've we got the invite. I'm very excited. Fired up, and I'd have to say it's actually quite simple to set up. There is. Uh, I guess it's just it's just not complex, but there is as you dig in deeper into it, there's a lot of lot of things that you can do to make uh, changes to your ex- your exchange and your SharePoint and um, yeah your Outlook settings. So what I've done is uh, I've, I'm trying to move one of my domains across into the space. Um, one of the biggest problems I've got at the moment is that I've got the name Bank in my domain name, so Microsoft are going, yeah, no, we're not migrating that domain for you. So I need to have a bit of a chat to them about that one, which is fair enough. You know, you don't want people setting up uh, fake banks on, on the service. 
what we've done is uh, I've, I've set up email accounts. I can do distribution lists. I can actually do everything I do on my Exchange server now in this cloud. I'm really impressed at how much control I've got on this it's thing. It's very powerful, isn't it? It's quite impressive how how they've how far they've come because you know it seemed initially with some of the online you know um, uh, capabilities with Exchange and so on, you were getting a degraded set of uh, functionality. But they're really now they were, they were behind Google Apps yeah, quite yeah. a bit, man. But they're now really, really. The, I mean, there's so much parity with the with the full blown uh, for full blown server products is fantastic. So is it is it do you get Outlook and OA and what do you what do you get for the package? So I've got the uh, I've got the basic plan, 25 users. Uh, I think this is probably about the entry level as you get. Twenty five users should be enough for you at home. Uh, but, yeah, but, it should. But cover when most it moves out of beta, you'll actually be able to subscribe. Yeah, and pay for I'll just one user if you want. Right, scale yeah. and do Which whatever is, I want. Great. So I've got my um, OA. I have my uh, SharePoint, and I can do my Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and the app that I want the most, OneNote, all online, storing documents into my SharePoint. And uh, with that SharePoint, I can create multiple SharePoint sites, both private. And it's also got an internet-facing one, so I can have my corporate, I guess, web presence managed through my SharePoint, which is great because I can use my SharePoint workflows to sort of deliver content from my internal site through to my public site, um, which is, yeah, this looks really great. I guess the only downside to it is the fact that the themes and the templates for the public sites just look pants. <laughs> it's just, it's old school web. And it's sort of, if you're, if you're used to sort of getting really flash, whizzy looking sort of websites, the template does need a bit of work. And, and there does look like there's scope for you to be able to make changes in that. But it's a little yeah, bit of I think there are, there are a lot of capabilities there, and I think as this opens up to a to a broader audience of of customers that are using it, that we'll probably end up seeing more and more of those templates and 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 the like becoming available. Because there's already a lot of stuff mm. out there for SharePoint right now, um, but I think this will open it up to an even broader audience than what we've seen previously. That so we've had a, we've premise. had a question from the forums: um, migration path from BPOS, which was the previous, I suppose, version of Office three six five. There's definitely a few limitations there, yeah. and I think you know there are some. Uh, there were there was uh, we had some tweets last week um, from a, a user who had previously had an account on BPOS, and it hadn't been sort of cleaned out of BPOS as it BPOS as it were. So that meant that they couldn't get their email working properly in Office 365. It is possible to work around that if you've closed that uh, BPOS account but uh, yeah it gets a little bit tricky if you don't have your original passwords and and so on uh but at the moment while it's during the beta phase um it has been highlighted that you can't you know migrate across to office 365 while it's in beta uh which i, I guess is fair enough for uh, in some ways that you know someone on a production system can't then transfer over to sort of a beta test system but i imagine some people will will use the beta as though it is the you know the real deal so yeah unfortunately in that situation i think people are going to have to wait around um you know for a few more months where we're picking it's likely to sort of land mid-year although there's nothing uh nothing official there but those are uh those are the bits and pieces i've i've been picking up and i guess in a beta cycle you know we expect it to be uh you know there to be a little bit of a beta before it actually comes out as a full product i did have a play with the migration on it uh you can actually migrate from existing exchange and Outlook Web, uh, although it said existing Exchange service, which you could do, and you basically feed a CSV file into it and it 
pulls data from different accounts, but you can actually do it through IMAP accounts as well. So it does have some migratory paths if you've got some old stuff there. Yeah, definitely. So um, is it a direct Google compete? Like, does it stand up? Because, I mean, Google Google Apps, Google Gmail has been sort of that cloud benchmark. Does it stack uh, up or not? At this stage, I'd say yes. I'd say yes purely because it's delivering everything that I was using within Google. The only downside that I'm going to have now is that I have a whole heap of other services that are associated to my my a corporate account at Google. So I can't pull them across. And those are things like, I guess, the AdWords type stuff and some of the Google yeah. Analytics type stuff. And so, yeah, it so could you, be a bit still of... still need to use those services, right? Yeah, but the yeah. question is whether those are actually associated to my uh, Google corporate account, which gets destroyed when I close it down, mm. or whether... It, and there seems to be two sort of levels of profiles within this space. Now, the other thing is... Well, all, all I can say around that is be careful because yeah. <laughs> I've had some challenges with... Um, <laughs> uh, how do we say this politely? With Google's support capabilities uh, for their online products, and because there isn't a number you can call, and we did actually manage to get hold of somebody on the phone, but he basically said, "Look, we can't help you because blah blah blah. You've bought your product online, and so on. So you, <laughs> you do need to be pretty cautious, you know, around those steps that you jump into. You can end up in some pretty endless loops, going round and round and round in circles online with." Um, yeah, people not being particularly helpful. Other people, I mean, we'd definitely be keen to hear from those in the chat room uh, if they've had other experiences with Google, but we've we found their support. You know, when you get into something that's quite complex to be to be really bad, I mean, we had one case that went on for months and months and months, and we actually never solved it. Is this a business or personal? This, this, is a, this was a business service oh, wow. provided okay. by Google, one of their online services, and... Um, Oh yeah, I mean the amount of hours and so on that went went into that sort of just destroyed any any cost benefit of having used a Google service in that particular case um, by yeah huge magnitudes. If someone developed a federated service that would talk Google to the Office three six five, so that when you logged on with one, it would pass through your credentials to the other one and synchronize it, that would be. A very very cool piece of technology to write. <laughs> then Google and Microsoft would then basically be outbidding each other to try and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to develop that and be rich, there yeah, you go. but the, I, yeah. I mean that's where you're going to have to go. You're going to have to start looking at where these big players are in the market within their cloud services, being able to have one user account sort of rule them all. So right now we're going to cross again to our Australian correspondent Ken Green, back again. How are you, Ken? Well, not so Australian today, Paul. I'm in uh, the UK in London. Ah, how's it going up there? I understand there's a bit of a royal gathering this week. Funnily enough, on Friday, there's going to be a massive wedding. And when I say massive, it is incredible because this will be bigger than Charles and Diana's wedding, which on, on a level that the world will see it more because of, of course, the, the multimedia levels that will go out to the world. Um, of course, YouTube are covering it completely, and it's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be everything. And, of course, those those things weren't even around back in the 80s when Charles and Diana got married. So not only will there be the TV audience, there will also, of course, be the online audience as well. So that really changes things, doesn't it? I mean, um, you know, in the past there's really just been a TV broadcast, but now there's, there's access through, a, you know, a lot of other things. YouTube are doing their first uh, live streaming We've got Twitter and other social mediums. It's going to bring a lot of attention, you know, whether people at work or at home, wherever they are, right? 
there are, there's been some rumours here because, like like you say, obviously they're setting up and to walk around London right now, especially around by the Abbey where they're going to get married and outside Buckingham Palace, there are massive scaffolds for camera crews. And, of course, that's television. But, but also, like you say, the, the YouTube presence is there. So this is the first time this has ever happened. Somebody is actually hoping that, uh, that one of the officials will go into uh, – the Abbey and smuggle a phone in so they can tweet from inside. Whether or not they're going to get away with it, we're not too sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see on that. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, security tends to be pretty tight around London anyway, all their CCTV cameras and so on, uh, spying in on communications, no doubt. Um, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be a nice thing if there was any, any terrorist activity, um, you know, during this time. Um, what have you noticed about uh, security around London, Ken? London, like you say, has always had a big brother kind of presence, but it's even more so. The the moment we got off the plane, we, we went into London to Leicester Square, and we were just there, and one guy started causing trouble, to the point where I didn't really notice it that much, but a, a, a cop runs up, and within, I would say, 30 seconds, there were two cop cars outside, and uh, about 10 cops jumped this guy and locked him up. As he was getting put into the car, a female cop whispered, into, or not whispered, but spoken to her radio and just went, yep, the terrorist is apprehended. And I'm just going, terrorist? Are you for real? So, yeah, they're, they're right on edge. I, it's weird because, like you say, London at the moment, with its, because it's so high profile, the world will be looking what's going on on Friday. It's, it's basically... Um, possibly the scariest place to be as far as like if a terrorist wanted to hit it here, this would be the place to do it. But at the same time, it's I feel like it's the safest place as well because the cops, security, MI5 are just super hyper. And like you say, they're using technology to, to completely police it. Well, that sounds a bit uh, a bit full on. Um, certainly glad that they app- apprehended this dude. Um, hey, thanks very much, Ken. We look forward to chatting to you uh, next week after uh, you've returned back to um, the great land of Australia. All right. Well, we're coming towards the end. Um, Brad's uh, Brad's got another topic to mention. Fire away, Brad. Apple tracking. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, look, we we hummed and hard. We were going to talk about this tonight. Um, Skip and I were talking over the weekend because Paul went really quiet on us on the communication front. So Skip and I was he's been watching numbers. Yeah, exactly. He's been watching Netflix. <laughs> Look, so they've they've gotten trouble. Um, and reading between the lines, this actually came out about a year and a half ago. So a lot of security people raised that Google, um, sorry, that Apple were tracking everywhere you went, and it seemed to come mainstream media what ninety six hours ago, and they all got a hold of it, and everyone's been up in arms. You've had a play skip with actually seeing what was on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. and how, Was it as bad as the media making out? What's the story? Okay, so there it's is... not just the iPhone, is it? Well, it's Android. It's Android and iPhone devices. They're the two that have been pinged at the moment. Right, but I guess, I mean, Windows Phone's going to have to store some data as well because when you go into certain apps, um, they need to have a look at a... You know, they'll probably have a look at some sort of cache and pick where you are. It's, it's Yeah, it's how it's storing it and that the files have been there for a long time. Windows Phone's been picked apart at the moment. I know security guys are having a look at it right now. So one of the university security companies are having a look at Windows Phone 7. See how much it keeps and yeah. so on. Yeah. But Android and, Android and iPhone have been done. Mr. Jobs has already replied back with a one-liner saying something like, no, we don't do this, and that was about his extent of it, and everyone started believing it. So 
Skip, you've had a go. Tell us. What did you find? Okay, so the deal is that um, I, um, I hooked up using some of the technology that people have been talking about in trying to integrate your get iPhone code off your iPhone. Um, so a lot of tools use effectively the backups that iTunes make, and you can go in and pull out this file called a um, Consolidate db file or something like that basically it's a database file and you just open it up it's a sqlite database and it's got a whole heap of tables and in there you've got uh gps locations of cell towers so any cell towers you've come into contact with oh, i'm over here keeps a record of where they've been and also wi-fi hotspots as you drive past them now i'd have to say the technology probably doesn't work that well because <laughs> i've got a whole heap of stuff i mean I, I live on the north shore there was nothing registered for the north shore on my iPhone on the database, so it's a bit mm. weird. Mm. Um, but it did track uh, all the way through the South Island that the iPhone went uh, on a big tour all over the show. It did actually pick up a record in the middle of Africa, and I've never been to Africa, so I'm not sure how that one got there. Um, <laughs> well, I sus- maybe, maybe you have secretly been there and you just <laughs> didn't want anyone to know, but now now Apple knows and um, the FBI are onto you. Yeah, we, sus- we mailed his phone to Africa and back. <laughs> That's how we did it. I, I suspect Telecom need to just update the GPS locations on one of their towers, perhaps. Um, <laughs> so, um, But the most information I got uh, was the Wi-Fi one. That one really surprised me. I had a 68,000 Wi-Fi access points registered on my phone with GPS details, which is, I mean, that's a pretty mammoth war driving wow. effort. <laughs> that's a, that, I mean, that's really useful. That would be really useful information, but um, certainly a little bit cheeky for that to be, well, if, if it got, you know, sucked back into somebody else's database. Um, if it just gets left on your phone, hey, you know, that's, that's not necessarily the same level of drama, but... Um, now, some of that GPS data will be getting passed back to Apple if you've got the Find My Phone service, and and the same on you know Windows yep. Phone, you've got a capability you can turn it on, and that definitely feeds back to your provider to say you know here here's where I am in case you go looking for your phone, right? Yeah, and and the thing is that Apple seem to have the methodology of just capture everything and keep it, just mm. keep it. Don't worry about deleting anything. There's a huge amount of space so we can just store stuff. I mean, the database is about 11 meg in size when I pulled it down. Um, I know that with the Android, they actually limit it by a certain, I think, maybe a couple of hundred or something like that. They truncate it, don't they? Yeah, yeah. so they basically this go the, la- the latest um, record. And th- these are things that are important. I mean, if we're in a building like this, there's absolutely no way we're going to get a GPS signal. But the phone can actually determine where I am based on wireless access points. So it goes, oh, there's one over there, there's one over there, one over there. And they're all called this. And, okay, based on that, I think this person's around about this location. So it is useful information to have for the phone, perhaps a little bit dark secret stuff if it's going off to the vendor to track where you're going if, and if people write an app I suppose which is going to come out pretty soon I'm sure that they'll be able to be track where I've been there'll be a, a Google Maps or Bing Maps apps which will allow you to look at the database see where you've been where you've been tracking it'll be private investigators it'll be interesting to see where people people take it and what they can do with it and it has been used for that Um, in in Australia there was a case where someone's GPS unit they took the GPS unit apart read the non-volatile cache that was in the chip and managed to locate where this person had been even though they'd deleted all the waypoints that they'd been on so a lot of devices keep this information even the Blackberry has the feature to be able to track your GPS location back to a central server so a lot of devices are doing it hmm so um, yeah, that could. I mean, it could be used for all all sorts of things. Good some, and bad. Some some of which aren't aren't so good. And um, but I, I guess yeah, there'll be a fair, fair few people um, 
you know, that are a bit, bit, bit worried about um, where their family might have been going, uh, checking in and, uh, and seeing, seeing where they've been. Don't do anything wrong. Be so, good. Um, that's the, oh, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Always the moral of the story, eh, Brad? It is. Just be good. All right. Well, um, little little thing I got here in the mail last week was a um, a new card from Qantas. I um, I was fortunate enough to sign up with Qantas for their Qantas Club a few years ago, uh, just before they cut off their lifetime membership option, and so um, I I got worked it out that it was going to be very cheap for me to be a Qantas Club member when I calculated out that I'll probably live a few more years yet. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they sent me their new card, and this is their new uh, chipped card. And so what it means is when you're in Australia and you're going for a domestic flight, you can just basically wave wave your card in front of the uh, um, the machine for check-ins and so on, and it makes, makes your life a little bit easier. Of course, we've got, um, you know, apps on Windows Phone 7 for Air New Zealand and, and the little barcodes that come up there and then we saw um, that, that app demo for uh, what what Qantas are potentially going to launch later on the year for Windows Phone 7. So there's a whole lot of new things coming through but um, I thought I'd, I'd mention that one. Quite an, interesting, um, quite an interesting idea. And they've also got some little RFID uh, luggage tags as well for those that travel frequently that um, as your bag goes through it knows who you are and whose luggage it is. Which Routes is, it to another cool. city. <laughs> well, yeah, if, 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 if they don't like you or they know that you're from the NZ tech podcast and they want a little bit of uh, discussion um, and yeah absolutely that's probably what they'd do so we're all travelling with Paul if we get sponsored to go to CES next year we can travel <laughs> on this conscious thing <laughs> it is quite handy I have to say can I borrow your card I've got an RFID tag reader I just want to have a yeah, yeah I need a, a, a lead um, carrier for all these car, <laughs> uh, RFID cards in my pocket to protect them from um, from skip scrambling them and um, copying <laughs> my data I'll make sure I don't come in here with my passport all right, so um, heading towards the end, apps of the week. Now, there's a couple of new bits and pieces that have come out uh, recently. Uh, for iPhone and iPad, Sky TV have launched their uh, their new app. Hmm. Not quite as quite as cool as we would have we would have liked. It'd be nice to have something um, an app that lets you watch all the programs and so on. But really cool for uh, seeing the program schedules. Yeah, that's what I mean. I only used it quickly, so. I'm going to have another play with it tonight when I get home. But the program schedules and the guide data was really, really nice. Um, it was good to go on there. I need to see whether you can do live recordings through there. Um, it would be really cool if they... Yeah, you can, you you can, can schedule live records. I believe, and what about yeah. iSky? Can you get that through, um, through there as well? No, well, that's the thing. I don't think you can it's see those in the, in, yeah. the, in the app. So that, that's um, that's something I think you know they'll probably work on... Uh, maybe longer term and and that's something where i think there's a lot of potential obviously iSky really should be coming through onto xboxes and ps3s should be coming through the consoles yep. and should be you know coming coming through with with specific apps as and well sorry did you say can you schedule your MySky through this app or not which oh, your MySky? yeah i think you can i think you can record your uh, you can set something to record through the app nice very very yeah. nice yeah. all right we'll we'll have a bit more of a play with it just to confirm a few of those things and if people from sky if you're listening just send us a twitter update to let us know yeah you can already do that through the uh through the through the web yeah 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 all right, and a new, uh, well, not not I guess a brand new app, but um, a Windows Phone app that that you quite like there, Brad. Yeah, so this is a Provoke, a local company in New Zealand. Um, it's the All Blacks app for Windows Phone Seven. Now, it's not new; it's been around a little while. But um, I suppose with the World Cup coming up, there's going to be quite a few of these floating out. And this All Black app is just really, really slick the way it does things. 
Um, they've used those the, the sliding side panes on Windows Phone 7 to get your video. The streaming is really, really good. On well, I'm on Vodafone, so I've had no problems with getting the streaming to work. But just the general way that they've laid it out and the slickness of it, it is a very yeah. Nice I've app. used it over Wi-Fi and it's very good app. Yep. And, and and in fact, yeah, it'd be nice if Sky learned something from from this in terms of its capabilities. In terms of you know just you know it was an app that was developed as far as I'm aware in a reasonably short space of time around the launch of Windows Phone Seven, and you know they got streaming video, all of these things coming coming through. Uh, you know, I'd love, I'd love to think Sky could uh, could come up with something similar. I don't know if that's quite so easy with their, um, you know, their back end and what their streaming capabilities are at the moment. But I'm sure something they could certainly deliver in the future. All right, well, that that's it for uh, for us this week. That has been the NZ Tech Podcast, episode eight. Uh, we are signing out until next week. Cool. Thanks everyone for listening. See you later. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye bye. 